faith, confidence or trust in a person or thing. Reason, to think or argue in a logical manner, to form conclusions, judgments or inferences from facts or premises. Culture, the customary beliefs, social forms and material traits of a religious, racial or social group. Faith, reason, culture, podcast with Dr. Melissa Travis and Daryl Youngblood. Welcome to episode number three of the Faith, Reason, Culture podcast with professor and author Dr. Melissa Travis and founder and president of RDOF Ministries, Daryl Youngblood. I'm your host, Ryan Holland. Thank you all so much for joining us. Guys, it's been a little while since we've last met, but I am grateful and excited to be able to jump into today's topic as we're going to be discussing doing Christian apologetics in 2021, looking at how the landscape has changed over the past year, what are the hot topics, and then we're at the very end, we're going to be talking about what uh, projects Melissa and Daryl have on uh, the horizon for the future, so make sure to stay tuned for that, and also visit us online, cgmradio.com slash frc, where you can learn how to descri- uh, subscribe, find out more about Melissa and Daryl, and also how to get in touch with us with any questions or comments. All right, guys, obviously the landscape has changed quite a bit in the past year. Uh, really, the COVID has changed so much, but COVID seems to also be in line with a, a larger cultural sh- cultural shift that we've seen, uh, the, at least a st- especially the past couple years, if not the past few decades. So what we wanted to start off discussing is, you know, how has the landscape changed for apologetics, for the culture? What are the, what are the hot topics that, that's being discussed right now? Well, over the past year, the focus has definitely intensified on two different areas based upon my observation. Number one, the pandemic has caused a heightened interest in what we call the problem of evil and suffering. So a lot of people are asking, why did God send COVID? You know, where is God in the midst of the pandemic? Uh, And the other area that is really getting an enormous amount of attention, sparked mostly by the murder of George Floyd, uh, is uh, the whole area of uh, social justice and where that intersects with questions about uh, things like uh, race relations, um, progressive politics, and we seem to be entering this new era in which in a very unprecedented way, the line between uh, politics and the Christian faith is disintegrating more rapidly than ever. So we don't have that luxury that we used to have where we could talk about Christian worldview and Christian truth claims, uh, but we could mostly keep it separate separated from what was going on in the world politically. Not completely, but for the most part, we could delineate the conversations and 
I don't think that's the case anymore. And I don't think it will ever be the case again, uh, mostly because of some of the hot topics that we're going to get into today. So those are the major things that I see in terms of how the landscape has dramatically changed in light of all the events of 2020. Daryl, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, the problem of evil uh, has definitely risen to the top of um, you know, it always has been the number one question that I get, but I mean, it's just a daily, you know, um, thing that I, I, on a regular basis now, somebody will have some question or struggle that is some form of the problem of evil. And, um, and, and it's, it's just at a much higher frequency than it ever has been. And, it, and a lot of it's related to that. I think there's depression that has come from COVID, um, and, you know, non-related to that, as far as another thing that I noticed uh, was this um, recent acceptance um, of evolutionary common ancestry by some prominent apologist. Um, William Lane Craig came out with a video. Uh, that's, a, that's kind of a new hot topic. And so you've got this division, you know, traditionally you had the young earth, old earth um, disagreement you know, within apologetics, but this is kind of a new one. So when you have some of the, uh, the bigger figures in apologetics endorsing this view, um, it's, it's a very, uh, it's an interesting change in it. And so you have, uh, which what I don't like to see, you have um, a large amount of infighting within the uh, apologetics community debates, uh, heated debates about uh, this subject. And as again, they've kind of traditionally done that already with the young earth, old earth uh, views but this is a new one. And so that was, that's one thing I have definitely seen. And of course, another one, um, the obvious is um, the Ravi Zacharias situation and what happened there. And you know that, that is something that I think is very, it's very important how we respond, not just as apologists, but as Christians to something like that. I know at the beginning of that, I was talking to Melissa about this, you know, there was this immediate, um, denial and rallying the wagons around him when it first came out. But then we, you know, we saw the actual data and uh, it just, it made me think of, we, you know, we really need to consider how we look to the world when something like this occurs. So those are, those are some other ones. How, how sure that you, I've noticed. I, you know, I think there's something that, that we were talking about before is really, if someone came up to you and, and they asked, how do I trust anybody? How do I trust any of these Christian leaders, when someone as magnificent, let's be honest, Ravi Zacharias was magnificent. He was second to none in his brilliance, in his eloquence, in his just fight for the culture, even fight for the gospel. It was, he was unbelievable. I would listen to him and I'm like, am I listening to an angel from heaven? And and then we find out some, some, pretty terrible stuff was going on behind the scenes. So how, how would you guys react if someone said, how do I, how do I trust any of these Christian celebrities that, that we hear, maybe that I listen to their podcast or I watch their YouTube videos or whatever? How would you guys uh, respond to a, I, what I think is a pretty honest and, and fair question? You know, in the wake of it, I don't have a direct answer. I don't have any profound words of comfort for someone who's reeling from the shock and disappointment of situations like what we're seeing with Robbie Zacharias's ministry. Um, 
what I can say is that it's raised for me a host of important questions that have been sort of simmering in the back of my mind for a couple years, but now I think about them a whole lot more and more pointedly. And I'm searching my heart and the scripture to just try to get a handle on this phenomenon that we refer to as celebrity Christian culture. And I can't deny that there has been magnificent impact on the kingdom by servants such as Ravi Zacharias. We cannot deny that lots and lots and lots of people have come to faith in the Lord, have renewed their faith, uh, have discovered important ministry paths. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on about the impact of Ravi Zacharias. And so I I ask questions about uh, Christian celebrity culture in terms of do we need to eliminate it altogether because of the Christian public's tendency to um, revere figures like this in a very unhealthy way. And so that when something like this goes down, uh, the impact is rather devastating. I mean, there are people who have had their entire faith shaken by the fall of Christian celebrities, such as Robbie. And he's not the first and he won't be the last. And so um, I just have a lot of hard questions. And, and I wonder what it means to be in public ministry, um, for lack of a better phrase, what, you know, what does it look like to maintain your humility uh, in the face of gaining public notoriety or having a, glo- a growing platform for your ministry? Should we do things to avoid um, growing a platform? Uh, I don't know the answers to all those questions. What I can tell you, um, based on my experience as a Christian author, is that the Christian publishing houses that are responsible for printing a lot of the popular level, uh, semi-academic level material for Christians these days, they put an awful lot of pressure on authors to grow the platform, to be incredibly active on all the social media platforms. They want you to gain a following because that's what sells books these days. And I never could get comfortable with it. I never could get comfortable with the idea of having to check my stats every single week to make sure I was gaining more social media followers and to make sure the hits to my blog were going up week by week. Um, because that's what publishers want to see. And to be quite honest with you, those numbers can often determine whether or not you get another publishing contract, Mm. rather than it being really about the value of the content you have to offer. It is about how many books you can sell because of how big your platform is. Mm. And the problem is you get so immersed Um, in this mentality and this routine that you're going through just to be able to write what you want to write in your area of expertise because you're having to do all this promotion work you get so steeped in that that you start to you you start to lose sight of 
the true biblical objective of your ministry. Um, and so just based on my tiny little bit of personal experience, um, I look at someone like Robbie Zacharias or any of the other big Christian celebrities, and I have to tell you, um, the idea of being in their shoes is quite frankly repulsive to me because I know how toxic limelight is and how hard it is to resist some of the really dark paths it can take you down. And I'm not talking just about overt moral failures, like what we saw happen with Ravi, but I mean, even just the sins of pride and self-importance and, um, you know, thinking of yourself as more important than others, just because you're more in the public eye than someone else is. So um, I haven't given you an answer, Ryan, to the question you asked, because I really don't have one. I just have all these new questions. Um, and I hope that what I've shared based on my personal experience will get some of the listeners out there really thinking about this concept of Christian celebrity and public ministry and where we really need to be focusing our efforts. Um, and as we get into some of the hot topics and resources that I want to recommend to listeners today, um, I think that'll help flesh out some of some of what I'm saying um, and give people some places to go to um, read and start thinking more deeply about this. Well, Melissa, I think that a lot of times the questions themselves are the answers. And I think just listening to your questions and listening to how, how you're kind of elucidating through this, I think it is, I know for me, just listening to you is bringing a lot of clarity. So, Daryl? Yeah, just to um, really quickly um, give a couple of thoughts. You know, I've talked to a lot of people with RDOF. I get a lot of people that are writing in, and of course I heard a lot about this. And what's important for us to do, to do in this situation is to not condone uh, a moral failure, but at the same time, not just throw out all of the truths and arguments and um, great teaching that Ravi Zacharias had. This, the truth of his teachings and the strength of his arguments did not change because he fell, failed morally. And so we have to remember that, that, um, you know, you know, there's plenty of people who've done, said great things and done great things. And those actions and those, um, the truth of their statements didn't change with their moral failure. And we just have to remember that. That makes me think about, um, our recent celebration of Martin Luther King day and what a magnificent man and important figure he is in, um, in our very recent history, actually. Um, and I was reminded uh, some years ago of an article that I read that was talking about how in his private life, he was a very morally imperfect man, just like all of us are. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but some of the, the moral failures that he had, and I thought, you know, this is a really good example. Um, and I was actually thinking about it in relation to the Ravi Zacharias scandal. Um, this is a really good example of someone that we can look at and we can thank the Lord for the important work that they did in their areas of expertise while also mourning the reality of sin. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
uh, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, but I think we can, I think as Christians, we can hold these things in tension, right? Um, but then we need to ask really important questions about the figures in our life, the public figures in our life, the the people whose books we're reading and podcasts we're listening to, and uh, even uh, the the pastors we listen to online, some of these celebrity pastors, um, we need to ask ourselves really important questions about the role these people are playing in their in our lives. Are we are we seeking to tune in to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our souls as a result of the work these people are doing? Or are we putting these personalities on a pedestal? Um, and are we um, seeking to emulate them in some way? Or um, are we uh, are we turning them into these heroes that they're not meant to be for us right like we're not seeing through them to jesus we're seeing them um, and that's where things really start to fall apart and so if we can just get in a better practice of um seeing what the lord is doing through ministries of public figures and and asking lord how do you want me to be discipled through this work or that work rather than um being fanboys and fangirls right and I, I wonder if either of you, you guys want to comment on this, is I wonder if so often we're, we're so connected digitally, we're so connected online with all of these personalities, yet scripturally speaking, obviously they didn't have YouTube and podcasts and even TV 2,000 years ago. Scripturally speaking, people got their information directly in person or at most maybe through a letter from an apostle or from one of the church fathers, let's say, if you're in the second or third century or something like that. And there wasn't, like, the local church was everything to, to first century. And for many centuries, actually, the local church was everything. And so it's, it, it's, it, it can be, and I think I've even seen this in my own life, if I'm going to be honest, it's very easy to disconnect from the local church when you have this digital connection to all, whether it's worship music whether it's teaching, preaching, apologetics instruction, theological instruction, church. I mean, you could get a, a seminary degree. I could get a seminary degree sitting in this chair without ever actually physically being in the same room with one of my professors. And so I just I just wonder if are we going to if the these big celebrities the more they fall, maybe God allows that to happen in some respect because he's maybe he's pointing us home. Maybe he's pointing us more so back to him to Jesus as a person, and then back to the, to the community that he instituted for our discipleship, for edification, for worship, and so forth. So I don't know if you, either of you guys uh, want to comment on that. I couldn't agree with you more on yeah. that. Uh, one of the two questions I've had in my head an awful lot over the past few months is, number one, is God doing a massive pruning of the church? And I think the answer to that yes. is absolutely <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, and I'm not relating th that comment to Ravi Zacharias. What I'm relating it to is um, this toxic celebrity culture that has developed. And is is he eliminating that? Uh, and of course, the elimination part is very painful in some respects. But is he, like you said, Ryan, is he pointing us home? Is he is he drawing us back to 
local communities so that we can become stronger as faith communities so that the people in these local communities can have outlets for developing their gifts and callings because they're more needed um, in the local community when there's not all of this outside noise from Christian celebrity culture coming in and bombarding us all the time. Um, and so I keep asking, did God allow the pandemic in at least in small part because of how it would point us back to uh, sort of the grassroots level of our local Christian community and so that we can start networking with one another in uh, more effective ways and really start asking questions about the importance of face-to-face -face community and learning from one another and praying in person with each other. Um, and um, I really feel strongly that that's part of what God's doing in the church right now. Um, so I couldn't agree with that more, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, Daryl, unless you have a comment on that, we can maybe, okay, we can delve into I the, agree. yeah, amen. We can delve into uh, a few of the hot topics, anything, anything that you guys might want to comment on. We've discussed critical race theory, I think that came up, social uh, social justice, progressivism. And Melissa, as you mentioned, we've really seen the kind of the, the marriage of, 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 of Christianity and politics in, in such an, an exceptional way, even everywhere from the, the creators of VeggieTales to the Beth Moore Bible studies, or uh, everybody is, is talking politics. There's a, a lot of them that, that are on that are on the left and really adopting a, a critical race theory of this this uh, very worldly social justice and what they call progressivism. I just want to remind everybody those are labels that they put on their own movements. Just because it's labeled progressive doesn't mean it actually is progressive. It could be regressive. We could call our movement progressive. You know, so it's always important to keep terminology in mind and who kind of controls the terms controls uh, controls the conversation so daryl maybe maybe we'll uh, start off with you you know of those of those hot topics you know whether it's the critical race theory social justice uh, what's called progressivism or you know what's called social justice you know because we have different what justice in society is it really differs amongst amongst people what i think is social justice is going to be very different than from what someone else Think. So uh, what have you seen in your ministry and in interacting with people and in, in sharing the gospel and defending the faith? What, what, what of these kind of very culturally hot topics have you seen uh, come up that's, that's important that we, I think, learn how to, how to respond to? They've all come up. And of course, they're going to come up because that's, you know, that's what we're exposed to every day. And so especially um, with the younger you know, 20, 30 generation, um, that's, those topics are first and foremost uh, on their minds. And so any, any conversation that you have about something they may be struggling with will many times, if not most of the time, stem from one of these hot topics. And of course, again, that's a byproduct of what's going on with the media and just what's going on in the world. But the way I approach it 
always um, without, you know, staying on a specific topic is the idea of what truth actually is. And so all of this, all of this is a derivative, all of these problems, all of these, this confusion is a derivative of a foundational problem of defining what truth is. Hmm. And truth now is the concept of, of something that can be altered, which truth in its very nature is exclusive to itself. There is, you know, it's a singular term. And to try to make versions of a truth are like trying to put angles on a ball. You just, you cannot logically have a version of a truth. There is only a truth. And so what you end up having is, well, whose version of the truth is the actual truth? And so that's what we're seeing in our culture that comes off into, you know, things like equality and rights, human rights, <clears throat> is that everyone wants their truth to be the truth. And so we find ourselves in a need or the question arises, what is the ultimate truth? And how do we define that truth? What, what is the basis for that truth? And so that's why it's very important when I discuss these issues from a logical perspective, the first thing we talk about is what is truth and from where do we get our barometer to what is ultimate truth. And that's why it's so important for us to have a foundation for that, which is why it's so important to be able to speak intelligently about logic at the same time um, with theology and in apologetics. And so that's the way I approach all of it. So do you see, because you hear so much talk about human rights, so much talk about justice, social justice, but we're at a point now, especially if you look at the, the Marxist underpinning of all of this, Marxism, socialism, it's a, it's, it's a godless material philosophy that uh, really has no foundation for, for justice, social justice, morality, much less, much less truth at all. And so you hear all of this talk about, you know, justice, social justice, and what's moral, what's immoral, and, and all of this r really when there, there's actually no foundation of, at all, it seems, for this, for this worldview. So I don't know if, Daryl or Melissa, you want to jump in, but when y'all when are talking to people about this stuff, I mean, is, is that kind of, is that I guess, important to bring up, okay, you're talking about justice, you're talking about morality, you're talking about these things, but what's, what's the actual foundation if we're just a, uh, you know, a highly sophisticated uh, cosmological accident? Like, where does any of that, that come from? Well, I mean, it brings in just these, these strange realities if you follow it. I mean, you know, because the concept could be, well, you know, it's, that's my own truth. Well, what if my own truth is that there is only one truth? And so the logic just kind of implodes when you start to apply it. You know, you, if, if somebody's own truth is that there can't be multiple truths, then you can't have your own truth. And so this is, the, this is why I think it's important to think critically about these things. And so when you go round and round with these conversations philosophically, you end up, like you said, what is the ultimate foundation for that? And we, through the centuries and our country being based on it and our whole moral framework for 
our entire civilization, which atheists will attest to, was based on the truth being defined by Judeo-Christian values. You know, and I can give you a list, and I've got videos about <laughs> intellectual atheists admitting this and admitting that you, in order to invoke these values, you would have to freeload. They admittedly freeload off of Christianity. Richard Rorty, who's a Princeton professor, says this, an atheist. And so the people who think about this stuff will admit to that and will admit to if you remove the source, then it is a free-for-all. And so without a source, this is what you're going to see. Melissa, you can add to that. Yeah, I think um, our root issue right now is that classical ideas about what it means to be a human being, what it means to live in a way that produces human flourishing, um, what it means to do justice to your neighbor, um, and I, the list could go on. All of these ideas are being heavily distorted um, and this has been going on for decades, but decades ago, this was this stuff was happening in the fringes of academia, up in the ivory towers, where all of these radical social political theories were being discussed. And over time, it has trickled down into the culture, and I can't get the image out of my head of the frog in the pot of water no the the whole uh analogy where you have the frog in the room temperature water and you put it on the stove and you turn on the burner and and the water gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter but the frog doesn't really notice that the water's getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and so he doesn't jump out and then eventually he's boiled to death and that's the mental image that I've had for months on end now as I've thought about how these radical ideas that were limited to the ivory tower decades ago have now pervaded the culture in such dramatic ways that the church has been caught off guard. We've kind of been the frog in the water pot. And we now find ourselves in crisis mode trying to do all this damage control. And unfortunately, lots and lots of church leaders out there seem to be falling into one of three categories. Category number one is, is where we'd want them to be, that they are intellectually prepared to engage and shepherd their flocks towards the truth, show them how to discern truth from falsehood and how to, uh, how to determine whether or not ideas are biblical or they are from the enemy. So, so that would be category number one. Uh, category number two would be the churches that have been caught completely off guard. They're scrambling for resources. They, they really don't know where to go. Um, they're in a panic and they're seeing I, these false ideas and these distorted ideologies um, affecting even relationships within the congregation and specifically in the area of uh, racial tensions in our country right now. That's a big deal in a lot of congregations in America um, right now. And so these church leaders are completely without the tools they need to shepherd well um, and bring back unity and truth and goodness and beauty 
in their flocks. Um, and then we have category three, which are the churches who are buying into the cultural narrative hook, line, and sinker. They are not thinking critically about it. They hear these words like justice, and they're just, um, they're saying, oh, of course, justice is the biblical thing, and love your neighbor, and yada, yada, yada. Um, but the problem goes back to the comment Daryl made about how you can't have, uh, you can't have genuine biblical justice devoid of truth. And so the first question we have to ask is, what is the truth? Um, and then what is justice in light of the truth? Uh, and so um, this is where we are. And we've got a lot of hard work to do as apologists and pastors and bloggers and speakers and at uh, the list goes on, obviously, but all of those who are working in the kingdom, um, we've got our work cut out for us. Um, and I think we really need to start focusing a lot of effort on just getting church folks, the average John and Jane sitting in the church pew, get them thinking about the fundamentals. Um, what does it mean for us that God exists? What is the nature of man? And what is the truth about the way to honor the Lord, walk in his ways and flourish as human beings? Um, and how do we bring that to a horribly hurting culture? You're right. We absolutely do have a lot of work to do as a church and as leaders. I know we're going to be discussing that more and more as time goes on. All right, that will do it for today's episode of Faith, Reason, Culture. Thank you all for joining us. And if you have any questions, please email us, frc at cgmradio.com, and we'd love to answer them on future shows. God bless. We'll see you next time. Music.